what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the last episode of the year of Nursing Uncharted. Here it is the end of the year. It's December 5th. Um, I'm Maggie Reichard. I'm a full-time medical ICU nurse and your host for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. Um, this episode is going to be a fun episode. It's just an end of the year recap today. We're going to reflect on the year and talk about aspirations for the new year. Um, so if you have some, maybe this will like inspire you to, you know, start thinking about that for the new year. This episode is sponsored by AMN Passport. AMN Passport is a travel nursing app that helps you find book and manage assignments all from your phone, putting you in the fast track for your next travel assignment. So if you are in the market for a travel assignment, be sure to check that out. So today, like I said, we're reflecting on the year with a good friend of mine who I met while I was a travel nurse. Her name's Christina Lammy. Christina is currently a family nurse practitioner student at John, Johns Hopkins University. She has experience working as a bedside nurse in neuro and med surge, which is where I met her. Um, and her work experience includes working internationally as a nurse in Saudi Arabia through COVID-19 uh, pandemic. She's also a yoga and meditation instructor, and she has a passion to use yoga and meditation into her nursing practice and prioritize a holistic approach um, to medicine. So Christina, welcome to the show. Hi, Maggie. I'm so happy to be here today. Yeah. So cool how our life kind of does this like full circle thing where it was years ago when we met, it was just a short assignment for you. And somehow, yeah. we, you know, kept in touch and have connected over different things over the years. So I'm happy yeah. to be here today. And that, yeah, and it like our our lives have kind of like, you know, we're going through the same things. Like we we both had babies last yeah. year. Well, no, in twenty twenty two. So like, yeah. Well, at the end of you had Nora in October, October about like two. October eighteenth. So I think it was like almost exactly one month before you. Right? Yeah, she's she's close to that. I think so. She has yeah. really close together. I know. So we just like went through like new mom life and like trying to figure it out and like just reconnected. And so it's been it's been great going through this with you this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you showed me this. So the way that we're going to recap this episode, um, Christina showed me this software, this app that um, she was using, and you can explain it probably a little better, but it's called Year Compass. Um, and it was kind of just a better, you know, New Year's resolutions are like, you know, you have one resolution and you might follow it for like three months and then just like throw it to the wayside. But this is like a really good like reflection, like a deep dive reflection into your year and like what your goals were and like makes you really evaluate what your year looked like. And then it like moves into different aspirations for the next year. So it's such a cool, I'm so glad that you showed this to me. Yeah. A friend of mine showed it to me a few years ago. And since then I've done it every year, just, um, because exactly like you're saying, I found it helpful to first reflect on the year prior and then kind of moving forward, thinking about goals and I remember when I was telling you about it, I was like, you know, I kept saying, I'm like, it's so redundant and so redundant. Um, but, you know, like you were discussing, one of the positives about it being so redundant is the same ideas keep coming up. And then you're like, wait, I didn't even realize that this was on my mind in so many yeah. different 
areas of my life. And then you keep writing the same things down. You're like, okay, this is actually what I need to focus on this year. Or this is really something that has come up in the past year. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's nice that it organizes it out like that. Um, yeah. 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 I like, like I, it. I really didn't, I wouldn't have evaluated the year in this way, I think, if I didn't do this. Like, I think I maybe would have had the same themes about the year. Like, you know, I know my year was busy, but like, you know, I, the way that I have like assessed it now, I just think like I have so much more clarity on like, you know, what things I could have, you know, what things led to other things or, you know, so yeah. So I'm yeah. like excited to kind of, so we're going to go through some of our answers. I honestly, I was doing this just today. So I like, I, I have like great answers for like the past year and then the aspirations I got nothing for next year. So <laughs> still, you still have time. I feel like yeah. it's a little bit early. I did, you know, in preparation for this, I went through it just kind of, um, I mean, it still took me a long time, but kind of quick. And I was like, yeah. you know, at the end of December, I might kind of go through it one more time and just refine a little bit. Yeah. So still got a little bit of time here to think about upcoming yeah. goals. It's definitely not a thing that you can just like, you know, bang out. Like I was trying to do it today because I wanted to talk about it today, but like, it's, so I think, you know, like take time with it because like, that's, you know, you're going to make the most use out of it if you yeah, like really, really intentionally do it. It starts out the first page. It said, I think it says like, sit, well, I have it right here. Let me see what it says. It says like, sit down, arrive, prepare your clothes and space around you. Close your eyes and take deep, five deep breaths. Like, I love that. It's like set up your space. So you're in yeah. a good headspace for this because it is nice to kind of really take a deep dive into what your thoughts are. Yeah. What have been, what's, before we get into this, like what have been previous like New Year's resolutions? I'm okay. I have so many goals and I think more of what I come back to is like priorities or values. And those are kind of underlying things that I kind of want to work towards. But when I make New Year's resolutions, they're a little bit more silly, I guess. Like this past year, I was like, I'm going to keep my nails painted all year. Like <laughs> it's just little things that I, I just, I see people who have their nails painted all the time and mine are never painted. And if they are, it's like half chipped off. And I feel like it doesn't look as professional <laughs> and feel nice. put together. Yeah. It's a good way to like yeah, just feel yeah. put together. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And like, my nails are not painted. Like I, that no. fell off. I got it. I got them done right at the beginning of the year. And that was like I was the last time. Oh, so, no. um, my resolutions <laughs> are usually a little bit more like that where, and, and I have a hard time then sticking with them. I also started out, um, my husband is, he grew up in Saudi Arabia. And so his first language is Arabic and a lot of his family only speak Arabic. And so, mm-hmm. I've been trying to learn Arabic, which it's hard for me to retain anything outside of being in NP school right now. I'm just like outside yeah. of NP school. I'm like, I don't want to be like sitting down doing Studying. another class or something. So I was trying to do Duolingo, which also I kind of fell off of. So yeah, for like might be upcoming resolutions again. <laughs> I don't know. Or you can just do away with resolutions and like focus on this stuff because I yeah. feel like this is what is like sticks, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, for years, my New Year's resolution was that I was going to relearn French because I used to speak French fluently. Whoa. And 
not anymore. I think I know how to say I used to speak French when I was, I was young and now <laughs> I don't know it anymore. <laughs> that's like right? all I know how to say. Yeah. And the Pledge of Allegiance, like those, those, that's it. So yeah, that has been, but now it's kind of like a joke because I like think about that, like, oh, we're going to relearn French, but you know. It like, just keeps coming up. I no, feel like yeah. the best way, especially if you knew a lot of the language is really to be there. Like, I feel like your goal should be like, go to France for like an extended period of time. You know, it's like, yeah, be there because I, that's how I feel about Spanish, where I spent so long studying Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I really should be fluent by now with the amount like I'm embarrassed to say how much <laughs> Spanish I've learned and how bad I am at it. And I'm just yeah. like, I'm, you know, I need to be in a Spanish speaking country for an extended period of time. Yeah. I can no longer disappoint myself with the goal of like trying to learn Spanish. Like, well, that's, you know, I mean, that's how I became fluent. Cause I was immersed. I had to go to, I went to like summer school that like you couldn't speak English. You could only know that about you. speak French. Yeah. And I, I did it in um, high school. And then um, when I didn't think I was going to get into nursing school, I almost took it up as a minor and then I got into nursing school. But, but um, yeah, so. That's awesome. I mean, I wish, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's like something that I, something that like uh, used to know, but languages yeah. are so difficult. Yeah. It's and they're so, difficult. yeah. I, and another thing like Spanish would have been so much more helpful in the healthcare field, but whatever, you know, Yeah, it's no regrets. Like, it's so, it's so interesting because I was like, Spanish would be the best language to learn outside of English. And I kept studying, I kept studying it. And my goal after nursing was like always to work abroad. So I wanted to get a little bit of experience and then find yeah. a way to work abroad. And I thought Spanish was going to really help me. And then I ended up moving to a country that speaks Arabic and nobody speaks Spanish. Like literally, <laughs> I don't know any person that speaks Spanish in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So then I was like, wait, like, you know, it just, <laughs> it seems like it's helpful. Wanted. And then all of a sudden you're like in a position where I don't know, randomly yeah. everyone's speaking a different language. Yeah. So. You think something's going to go one way and then, you know, just life happens differently. And it's yeah, fine. Yeah. So, so starting out with this year compass, it, it starts out asking you to go through your calendar, the, go through your whole calendar. And this, this is the, this is the 2022, um, compass. And so the 2023 one hasn't come out yet. Um, so we're going through the 2022 one. Um, and so when it comes out, then you can, you know, have experience it with fresh eyes and we won't ruin it for you. Um, (laughs) so the, it starts out asking you to go week by week through your calendar. And if you see an important event, family gathering, friendly get together or significant project to write it down. So did anything in there strike you as like as you were doing that exercise? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that in past years, I've always had, sorry, I have like the physical thing. I like printed it. I did the old school um, (laughs) pen and paper, but I was looking through my calendar and normally like I have traveled a lot in the past few years and um, it's just something that I've really prioritized. And so in the past, when I've done it, it's, it's really, I've broken up my year a lot by trips that I've taken places Mm. that I've seen. And I felt like this year I looked back and just being like, like it's 
it's bombarded. Like I'm, it's school or it's yeah. like I'm traveling. I flew a ton, but it's just back and forth from Saudi to here. My husband still works in Saudi Arabia. So yeah. I have to come back here for clinical. So we flew back and forth four times. So it was like flew to Saudi, flew back from Saudi. And then in between all that, it's like, I'm in school. I'm not, we're not really having any time to do too much stuff. So I was yeah. a little bit bummed to kind of look back and be like, I feel like I've traveled a lot, but it's just the same trip over and over again. Like but routine. That's just kind of our life right now. Yeah. But we did get to do a couple trips. So we went to Dubai a couple of times. We went to Bahrain a couple of times. And those are just like, you know, little weekend trips you can do from Saudi Arabia that are pretty easy. And then I just wrote down my friend had a baby and mm. Nora turned one. And so little things like that that um, have been exciting. Yeah. How about you? What are some things looking back? So I, I knew that. So like at the end of this year, I feel tired, you know, like I'm, I'm exhausted. Like, and I, I, but I, I, like I said, you know, before I had done this exercise, I wouldn't have like really thought about the year as, you know, as much as I did as I went through this exercise. And you know, in the, um, like I put all of our like nursing and charted episodes, like into my calendar. Um, and so I was adding those in and I filled up the whole page by like May or June. And because I, there was just my entire calendar is filled with, you know, like meetings and calls and, and like, you know, episodes and stuff. And I'm working full time and, you know, I, it really, like I had, I took a beat and I was like, you know, and it made me see, I worked on my birthday, you know, I had no events for like Father's Day, Mother's Day planned, you know, and like things that really like hobbies and things that I enjoy were always thrown in. Like it was never like a scheduled thing that I wanted to, you know, that I planned for myself. It was always like things that really filled my cup were just kind of sporadically, you know, put in here and there. And, you know, so that was, you know, being, seeing that, like actually seeing that. Yeah. I mean, I, I was like, yeah, that I, I get like, That's it. why I'm tired right now. That's why <laughs> like, I feel exhausted. Yeah. I just really, yeah. I, I prioritized I didn't prioritize myself, I think, or like my, my mental health or like physical health. Like there was nothing on the calendar for physical health. I did like one cold plunge and one sauna thing, you know, and that wasn't on there. I maybe hiked like once or twice and like ran maybe a handful of times in the whole year. And like, I just relate to this so much. Like everything you're saying is exactly what came up for me where it was like, I didn't prioritize self-care enough. I didn't yeah. prioritize self-care enough. Next year, like when I was like look, looking forward, I'm like, prioritize self-care. Like it, and yeah. I think that is a true reflection of just us being in this same situation of being new moms. Like I think yeah. this is the, maybe the transition of being first year moms and realizing that we don't have the same amount of time, but we do have the same amount of responsibilities outside of that. And so just prioritizing from there is, is what I'm learning how to do. Yeah. I'm still kind of struggling because. Yeah. I'm just put it on the calendar, you know, yeah. because like, it's not going to, 
but it's off on the calendar or like it's, you know, it's, it's something nobody else is going to prioritize your mental health. Like you are because Absolutely. nobody know, else knows your workload like you do, Absolutely. you know? So like, yeah, I think that was, that was a, another one thing that I, I was just doing too much, you know, I was just doing like, you know, there was one. So I had a, um, close friend of mine pass away to terminal cancer, um, at the end of in October. Um, and this one day like really struck me because I did three meetings that day and then I went to her funeral and I'm like, why did I do that? Like, I, like, I can't believe that I did that looking back on that. Like, yeah, you know, I was putting pressure on myself that I needed to get these things done and I was just going to like compartmentalize it and get these meetings done. But like, oh, I really at what that. cost? Like I should have rested that day. It made Ooh. no sense. Like nobody's pushing me to do these things, but it's like, it's me, you it's know, learning how to set boundaries, right. Which is, it becomes so much more evident once you have a baby. Like I think before we can kind of get away with it somehow, but then you have a child and then you're your time becomes significantly less and significantly more valuable because you're like, you want to be spending that time with your baby, right? And so I, I, when I had Noor the day after, so I had some, I was TAing a class and with the most amazing professors who were so understanding. And if I would have just told them, hey, I had a baby, I won't be able to finish this grading can you help me out? They would have been like happy to do so, but I just couldn't get past like, you know, I, I want to do this. I was in the hospital grading these assignments like one day after giving birth. And I think back to that and I'm just like, what was I thinking? Why was that my mentality? And like, how can I change that for the future where I just, you know, set those sort of boundaries that I don't know, I, I prioritize <laughs> my time a little bit more, I guess. Yeah. Just like setting, letting go of some of those expectations and like, yeah, just putting, putting yourself first. So yeah, that was, that was just like a huge eye opener for me. Like writing down originally, I was like, oh, this is going to take forever writing down all these things. But I'm like, I'm so glad that they start out like that because it was very informative. <laughs> it, it is hard sometimes to think like, oh, I don't want to go back through the past year. Like I, I don't, I don't get as motivated off of I like to reflect on myself like as a human, but I don't like to reflect on past events somehow. Like yeah. I, I even have a hard time like looking through like really old photos, like for a long time. Like, I don't know. I, I like to, I I'm definitely more of like a futuristic thinker, mm. but the process of reflecting on the past and the way that it forces you to do, I, I definitely learn a lot and, and it, it makes things a little bit more clear. Yeah. 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 So a couple of the, after you go through that, then they have, you know, a couple different, you know, evaluations of, of the year based on what you found. What was one of the biggest lessons that you've learned? Oh, let me find this. I think, well, I can tell you mine. I think I may have already said it, but I, what I thought is that you know, this is a lesson that I think I have to continue to relearn. But like I said, like no one is going to lessen my load. Like I have to be the gatekeeper of what I bring into my life. And like, I need to recognize when I need rest, like nobody can take care of me better than I can. Cause nobody knows that burden like better than me. 
And like, especially if you're good at something, like opportunities are just going to be coming back, you know, coming, keep coming at you. And like, you have to know what you can handle. So it's it's so hard to say no to things that you like and enjoy and um, that bring you a lot of joy, but then also somehow burden your life. Um, I think I wrote something very similar, just like a little bit less well said. Like, I feel like how you said that was so well, but basically I was saying like, it's the biggest lesson I learned that is, is that it's really hard to find time for yourself as a mom. Like I just, this past year, I've had so much respect for parents and, and just the time that it takes. And I think that a lot of people who are parents and are able to balance that well with like, their job and their like yeah. physical fitness. It's, it's, I'm so impressed know. by it. And yeah. I hope that I can, you know, coming up this year can find that balance a little bit better. Agreed. I would love to be able to find time for fitness. I think that that is like something that I've always struggled with, like body image and like being able to incorporate that into my life. I think like, I, I, that would be like such a big accomplishment for me to be able to figure that balance out. I completely agree. And I think I, this, for me to be able to prioritize it so much of the situation needs to be right where I need to have like a workout that I like, I need Mm -hmm. access to that workout. I need the time for it. And, and when I'm in a situation where it's not like perfect, it's really hard for me to like kind of go out of my way to make yeah. sure that happens. And that's exactly what happened this year for me. Um, and then also like, I mean, people talk about mom guilt, mom guilt all the time. And I just feel like the, the way that that plays into my life is, yeah. I mean, my own mom guilt, right. My own mom mm-hmm. guilt of, you know, feeling like, you know, when I'm going to clinicals, like this week, I'm going to clinicals, like six out of seven days, right. And my parents are watching my son every single day. Right. So I'm like, how after, you know, you know, if there's a yoga class at night, how am I, how am I going to come home after they've watched him all day and then take time for myself? Right. They just like sacrifice so much of their time. So then I have this kind of mom guilt of being like, how do I take time for myself when other people are sacrificing so much for me? And then, and then I never make time for myself. So finding Mm -hmm. that, I think it's what I've thought about is that I just need a plan better. And I need to like ahead of time be like, okay, this day, you know, I might need a little bit more time from you or something. So do you have any six out of seven days at clinic days? That's is, wild. It's kind of unusual. And it's just also because I pushed my clinicals off towards the end of the semester. So mm-hmm. I could say, stay in Saudi Arabia longer. So okay. I've kind of done it to myself. Um, okay. And it's okay. Like, it, it'll be <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah. but, um, I was I just think, wondering. If I think you it's could probably like... harder for my parents, you know, to to watch a one year old that whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bless them. Yeah. Gosh, we could have a whole conversation on support systems. I don't Honestly. know what I would. Yeah. Honestly. Seriously. What was your biggest surprise of the year? Oh, let's see. The biggest surprise. Oh, I had a hard time thinking about this because this past year has just, like I was saying, been so filled with like predictable things. Um, but yeah, I wrote pregnancy too soon to bring it up. (laughs) It's not too soon. 
I yeah. want it to break it up. <laughs> um, because same. Yeah. We are we I am I am pregnant also. It's so exciting <laughs> to be pregnant at the same time again. Like I can't surprise. Cannot, I can't even believe it. Like when it was just such a crazy thing the way we found out too, where we had kind of talked a little bit before both of us got pregnant yeah. and then we both <laughs> fell off for like a we few months. Like- and I was like, I remember thinking like, I should like message Maggie and just be like, I'm so sorry. Like my first trimester <laughs> was rough. And so finally we reconnected on I said that I was like, I'm you so like came up for air. And like, you're like I was struggling the past few months with like this pregnancy and, um, and you, you were just I was like, like, you, the way you were laughing, I knew you were pregnant. Like you didn't even say it yet. You just started laughing. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Literally both of our, our firstborns are like a month from each other. And our secondborns are going to be a month from each other. We're it just doing everything at the same time. Awesome. It is <laughs> awesome. That's what I wrote for the biggest surprise. It wasn't yeah. totally unplanned, um, but it wasn't like, same. It was just kind of in between. This is how our first pregnancy kind of went to where my husband and I, um, like, unlike so many people I know who are like, they have an exact time that they want to get pregnant. Like, Mm. you know, they don't want to get pregnant. They don't want to get pregnant. And then they're like, oh, I want to be pregnant. Like now we had like, you know, we are like a little bit more lax about it, which then you end up getting pregnant. Like for us, it was like a little bit sooner than I had originally anticipated, but then the timing is always right. So was it, so was it planned for you guys? It it was pretty similar situation. Like we weren't, you know, like, so my siblings and I are all 18 months apart. So it wasn't, you know, abnormal for me. Like I was, I was ready. Like I was like, okay, anytime after now, I think I would, you know, be ready. And then it happened and we're like, Oh, oh, okay. We're doing this. <laughs> oh, that feeling is like the most hilarious thing to me where you're like, I, that was the same for us where I was, we like both of us have siblings that are pretty close to us in age. And so we knew we wanted Nor to have like a, a sibling close in age. And then like, and so you're like, yeah, it's fine. Like theoretically it's fine. And then you find out you're like, oh wait, what? <laughs> well, oh, okay. that's, I mean, the shift between like the last first trimester and this first trimester, wildly different, right? Shocking how different. And like I had nausea and hunger pains before and, you know, bloating and constipation and restless legs and all of the first trimester things that you're like, this is a whirlwind of things that they don't tell you about. Yeah. But like doing it with a toddler is a whole nother ball game because like, yeah, you are so completely fatigued and that it was so triggering for me. I have been experiencing like mood swings, like, you know, crazy that, you know, I is definitely related to like extreme fatigue. For sure. And then I'm also at the same time, I'm losing my milk supply. And so like, those two hormone shifts have like really affected my mental health that mm-hmm. I did not anticipate like mm-hmm. I, before, you know, like I, I've never experienced depression. I've that's, I've 
been really fortunate in that way. And it hit me so hard in these last few weeks where, I mean, it is paralyzing. Like sometimes, and you just don't have any control over it. It's a Mm -hmm. hormone shift. So like, you know, all of a sudden, I will say it was triggered by fatigue though, because I would be, you know, and like, I would only get eight hours or something of sleep, which is normally fine. But, you know, I would just be so dead. And then, you know, if I was banking on a nap or something, her to nap, and then she doesn't nap, I would just go into this like paralyzing depression where I could not do anything. And like, Matt would have to be, Matt was the default parent for like weeks. And like, she stopped saying mama for like a couple weeks, like, and which was so upsetting and like so hard for me because like, I just wasn't, I, I, I was there, but not there. Yeah. Like, you know, I, it's so hard to be in that situation with your kid because you're like, like I'm this person for you. And why can't I like, yeah, get energy to like smile and do things and play yeah. with you. And, and it's, it's like, it, it makes things so much worse. Like you're already feeling bad. And then you, and then you start to have this guilty feeling where you're like, I'm not, I'm not doing enough for my kid. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, easier said than done. You just have to have a lot of grace for yourself and realize that like your body's going through a lot, but of course, no matter how much you tell yourself that it never <laughs> really sinks in. Right. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, I'm just like, I was just hoping that, you know, once I get out of the first trimester, this will like turn a corner. Like that's Mm -hmm. what I was, I've been like banking on this whole time. And like, like I'd be upstairs and I would be like in bed and in my mind, I would be like screaming, like, get up. You have to get up. Yeah. And like, you just cannot, can't. And like, they'd be playing downstairs and like, I know, like I would want to be down, like, down there with them. And I just like, could not go down there. And like, it's just, I, it's something that I had never, never experienced before. Just like apathy, complete apathy, like not even like sadness, but just like nothing like numbness. Yeah. I, um, I also went through something similar. I had kind of mentioned some of it to you, but basically there was this point, it was like late at night and I had been with Anora the whole day in Saudi. We don't have support. So it's just me and my husband yeah. and he works, um, he works full time. So like I'm with Nora all the time, which is fine usually, except when you're feeling this way and you're just yeah. like, I, I just kept thinking like, I need to be with my parents. Like I need somebody else to watch him because yeah. I'm not doing a good job right now. Like I'm yeah. not teaching him anything. I'm not interacting with him. Like I felt so bad. And then I also was just like, you know, we get, we get a lot of our energy from self-care or time that we get to spend yeah. by ourselves. That's productive. That's not like lying in bed and like, you know, not feeling apathetic. It's like we get our energy through doing the things that we like. And when you don't even have energy to do the things that you yeah. like, then it feels so much worse. And yeah, I was sitting up at one night and I was like doing the depression, like a depression screening on myself because I was like, I really yeah. feel like I'm clinically depressed right now. And I, and you know, I, I also like, you know, being nurses and knowing kind of how like our body works. I think part of me too was like, 
I'm feeling this way. I, I know it's short term and I know this is related to pregnancy. So I know it will pass, which I yeah. think gave me some sort of comfort, but it, yeah. you know, it doesn't make it any less like hurtful to, and so I'm doing it. I'm like, yeah, little interest in pleasure, pleasure activities. I'm like, I don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do anything right before I got pregnant. I was like in finally, finally postpartum. It was like so long of me like not being able to get into a good routine. And I felt like I was like going to the gym every morning. I was like, like my husband and I got in a good routine with being able to figure out how to take care of Nora and both find time for ourselves. And then afterwards, instead of waking up early to go to the gym, I was like, yeah, you can watch him. I'm just going to stay in bed. And I love the mornings. And so it was like, Mm. to not enjoy the mornings anymore to be like, I don't even want to want to get out of bed. It's like, yeah, something's wrong here. And it's not just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so complicated. It's crazy to go through that alone too. And like to have no support system over there. I can't imagine, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, like you're such a strong person to be able to like, you know, go through having, all of I that. Mean, having a kid just makes you realize how much you need people in your life, right? I, I really don't think two people were meant to do it. it. It's really quite a lot. Um, so I don't know. I just see the value of my parents so much. I see the value of having other moms, like being able to connect with you and just yeah. other moms who are going through things, I think has been really helpful. Um, but just realizing that you're not you're not alone in this. We're yeah. not alone in this, you know? Definitely talking to other moms helped because I felt like, okay, you know, actually this is apparent for a lot of people, you know, and it's not just a short-term thing for a lot of people, you know, like I was really fortunate to not have gone through postpartum depression, you know, but like that's so common. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm almost in a way like grateful that I have experienced what other people have been going through though, because I feel like I can so empathize on how just completely debilitating it is. And like, I have an understanding before that I didn't before. This is always the silver lining with it, especially being nurses. And I'm in, I'm doing a clinical rotation in OB right now and I love it. And I just feel like all of these frustrating symptoms Um, it's not fun, but I always think I'm so grateful. I can empathize with people better because I, I, I truly didn't know how to empathize before that. Like when, when people, I mean, depression, maybe a little bit, I could empathize with, but uh, little things like I'm not little things. I was nauseous through the first trimester completely and I didn't have any of my first pregnancy. And so I was like, I really couldn't understand when people were like, Oh, my first trimester is like it's so tough because I'm nauseous, I'm nauseous, I'm vomiting, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's not that bad. Pregnancy. I literally felt like, oh, pregnancy is not that bad. And then I went through this and I'm like, wow, I feel (laughs) like this is just some, some sort of blessing to like put me in my place of being like, if you want to work with this patient population, you need to be able to empathize with what they're going through. So yeah. Absolutely. I know. I wouldn't wish it on anybody and everybody has to go through it. And poor, I, the people that have those symptoms all throughout their pregnancy or like the people that throw up every day, freaking bless you. I don't know how you maintain your sanity. Like, and be. 
Yeah. Cause yeah. you hear about that. You hear like, well, most of the time it goes away by the end of the first trimester, but it, you know, some people have it through their whole pregnancy. Wow. That's, Cause I really think, I think the like lack of motivation, the feeling of feelings of depression really came from the nausea for me, like hormones probably because I just, you know, feel like I'm pretty sensitive to my hormone changes, but yeah. really it was the nausea that was debilitating that I was like, I can't do anything right now. Yes, You don't want to yeah. eat anything. You don't want to cook anything. It's- no, I know you're just on autopilot. I feel like I just ate like frozen burritos for, and that's yeah. like another thing, like you want to eat healthy while you're in oh, the first trimester. Oh, it's oh. like such a, like, <laughs> it's so annoying because like you're nauseous and you don't want to eat anything, but it's also such a pivotal time for your baby's like development and growth. And so you're like, okay, I need to eat well, but I physically cannot eat anything. Like, so like, are they going to be okay? To make the situation more complex. It's like, you're also yeah. trying to send the right nutrients to your baby. So more guilt. Oh, I, uh, I eat ramen noodles for like a week straight. And it was, I was so bad. I Googled, like, should you, like, is it okay if I eat ramen noodles for a week straight? And there, everyone on this, like, one Reddit feed was like, you probably shouldn't. Like, it's a high, high carbs, high sodium, like, all this stuff. And one person on there was like, listen, Go like, girl. if you're in your first trimester, like, there's worse things you can eat than ramen. And I was like, listen to her. To the that was like, the <laughs> yeah, thing right. that I was like, okay, I'm going to eat it. Yeah. Oh my God. That's amazing. All right, let's let's keep going. What are so in the past year? We'll we're still in the past year and we'll we'll move to gosh, this thing is so long. I want to go through we'll just do a couple more from the past year. Let's see. What is the best thing that you have discovered about yourself? Okay. You go first so I can find this. <laughs> I found, I discovered that if something seems really difficult or even impossible for somebody else, it does not have to be impossible for me. I think I found, like, I realized that, that, like, there's so many different ways to do something and, like, we just, it's okay to do something that just makes sense for you. Like, you know, I choose that narrative for myself. And if I feel a different type of way about something, like it's fine. And like, I think that that happened a few times last year. Like we did cloth diapering for, you know, a little bit, like she, until she was like too chunky to fit into the cloth diapers. I got cloth (laughs) diapers and people were like, you're never going to use them. And I was like, yes, I am. I didn't use them. (laughs) Maybe next one I will, since I have all these now. I mean, I, I liked it. It wasn't like stinky. Like I, you know, everybody was like, like deterring me about it. Like, you know, they were clean, like they came out clean in the wash. Like there was, it, it didn't like, it saved us money, saved us a ton of money, especially like when she was really young and she was just like pooping that mustard, like all the time. And it's good for the environment. Like there's so many benefits to it. And I, I don't know. I wish I could say that I also did that though. I didn't, but my thought with it was like, people have done cloth diapers for 
a really long time. Like, yeah, and they're not like new to have to throw away the diaper every single time. And it's really convenient for us, but yeah, just a little bit less convenient. And it's really helpful. Like if everyone did cloth diapers, that would probably be really good for the world. Yeah. Well, and it just, it was nice because if we were running low, we just had to do laundry, you know, we Mm -hmm. didn't have to like run out and get new diapers. So it was nice in that way. Um, I also didn't get an epidural when I was, when I Wait, went through birth. Did you not? I didn't get an epidural. I can't believe Girl, we are the same person. about this because I feel like <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of people in my life that haven't gotten epidurals. And I really yeah. hold on to like being able to connect with somebody who didn't, because I always say I would never recommend it to anyone who doesn't want to do it because it's yeah. not in, it's not easy by any means right and so I'm like you should do whatever like your goal should be have a birth that makes you happy or at least aim towards that because you can't control so much so if you know that you're not the type of person to want that but if you do have that inkling towards it like I love to like connect with people so I'm so surprised we haven't talked about this yet yeah I I felt more afraid of, I felt like it would give me more control in a mm-hmm, sense. Mm-hmm. Like I can deal with, if I can train myself to be aware of the pain, mm-hmm. like if I can, you know, people do it. So like, mm-hmm. if I can be one of those people that do it, I feel like I can be more in control of the situation because I know how this will go down because like, you know, the more like interventions that you do, the more, you know, opportunities there are for other things to happen. So like, you know, I was just like, I think I feel like I could be more in control if I didn't, I could like move around, which I wanted to do. Like if I felt like a position was good, I wanted to be able to move in that position. And I didn't want to be hooked up to a bunch of things. And, you know, so it just made sense. I mean, a lot of people were like, not shaming, but being like, you know, what do you have to prove? Yes. And like, that's not what yes. I was, you know, like, I don't have anything to prove. Like, I'm trying to choose to put yourself in pain. Like I, right. I would definitely get that from people where yeah. if you, I find that when, when people don't have the interest in wanting to do it, then it, it does, you feel kind of bad after talking where you're like, okay, like, uh, you know, and, yeah. yeah, I, I will like, didn't, you know, I didn't want to offend anybody by like yeah. not wanting what they wanted, you know, yeah. but like yeah. that. So I kind of like, you know, I would like steer away from the, from the, the topic about it, you know, until it happened. And then like afterwards, you know, when people asked if I would get there after all, I would say no. And people would be like shocked, but like, you know, you, you, plan for it. And like your headspace is there. And I also like, didn't not want one. I was just like, I don't know what to expect. I don't Mm -hmm. know what I'm going into. I'm going to try and prep for not having one. But if I absolutely need it, I'm just trying to walk out of here, not traumatized. So like, that's, I just want to have a good birth. So like, if I can do that, you know, without great, if I need the epidural, fine. Like that, you know, this is exactly how I went into it. And I remember reading people's advice about it and being like, you know, if you don't a hundred percent commit to it, you won't do it. And I'm not like, I think maybe some people are like that, but I'm not like that where I'm like, I think I was able to do it without an epidural because I always gave myself the option that if I needed it, I would get it. Like I had Mm -hmm. some criteria for like, 
what was easiest for me was like, let me prepare for not getting an epidural. And then I had some criteria to be like, I mean, kind of vague, but like, you know, if my labor is like, like really long, if I have to get induced, I might consider it because I hear like induction, like the, the pains from that is like a little bit more. So, um, I think, I I, I think it doesn't hurt anyone to prepare for that because you do hear of the occasional, I don't want to scare anyone out there, but you do hear the occasional story where somebody wants to get an epidural and it's too late or like, um, or it doesn't work or something. So I think just preparing for labor in general is is helpful. And it's kind of a nice process during pregnancy. Like that was one of the things that I loved about pregnancy is that when you have that mentality, you are more aware of, you know, wanting to connect with your body and wanting to be in tune with like different sensations so that when the yeah. time comes, so it, it kind of made pregnancy enjoyable for me in that way as well. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Like prepping and having classes like that, just like, you know, empowers you and makes you feel like, you know, you know what yeah. you're going into, like what you should expect. Absolutely. What are you most grateful for? past year let me see I mean I should know these just off the top of my head okay I see I wrote my family this year has just been so family filled where like having having a baby this year and then seeing my parents connect with my baby and their support in my life has been like just so eye-opening like I always loved my parents but it really gives you a different perspective of everything that they did for you. And then on top yeah. of that now, how much they're doing for Nor and how much Nor really loves them. And yeah, just my family support. And then my relationship with my husband, like it's, it's not easy for us to be apart as much as we are. It's, if yeah. you told me like four years ago, like, like if you asked me four years ago, like, would you ever do a relationship where you guys were long distance, like half the year, I'd be like, absolutely not. I could never do long distance. Like but then yeah. you're in certain situations. It's like, you know, I either stop school or we make this work how it has, you know, how it has to be. So we did it and, and it's told, you know, it's, it's doable. It's hard the first year of having a baby because it takes so much more communication, right? You have a baby and on top of that, you have to communicate with your spouse more. And, and so, yeah, learning, learning how to communicate with my husband through the travel and through having a baby, I feel really appreciative of because I think yeah, it it's, we've grown together through it instead of, I know it can be really difficult for a lot of couples. And that's not to say we didn't have difficult conversations and difficult moments and stuff, but overall, I think um, it's all been paused like in a, in a positive direction. Yeah. Having that strong foundation, you yeah. know, is, is so important. I am the same, you know, every time I think about, you know, gratitude, it's always Matt, you know, he's always like the, the forefront. Like I said before, I mean, he was the default parent, like these last few weeks and, you know, he just like carried our family and stepped up and cause there was no other option. And like, I wasn't available, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, that's, he just does it. He just picks it up. And like having a good partner through all this is so, important right like I yeah during tough times like that it's it's really you start thinking you're like 
I was cooking every day. You know, I was home every day with Nora. I was like, I should be doing more. I should be doing the laundry. I should be cooking every day. I should be this for like a month straight. Like my husband was like bringing home food for us and doing everything. He never complained. And I was just like, I kept being like, I'm sorry. Like, like, I know I don't need to apologize, but then at the same time, and, and then you realize that you're, you're, you know, you're with somebody who, who empathizes and who, who wants the best for you and, and it, it makes it all possible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, yeah. It changes your whole life. It changed. It's, it's finding a good partner is, is like make or break the difficult, you know, the challenges in your life. So yeah, I, I lean on him immensely and my family too. I mean, yeah, like I said, I think I, I skirted past postpartum depression because of the support system I had. Like my, my family is like, my dad is very close. Everybody, like all of, you know, our parents are all in Virginia. Everybody's just like, will drop anything and like, come help us. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it it really is like invaluable when you have kids Mm -hmm. and like community too. I mean, so I've been this year, I've been so grateful of like where I live. I have been lucky enough to find a neighborhood. Our neighborhood is like only a couple years old. Um, and so there's a lot of new families and, um, it just so happens. There's like five or six other like first time moms that are like the same age. You know, we all have kids from like Val's the youngest and like the oldest is like four. And so like we just, you know, to have a group of people that are going through the same thing that are in the same vicinity, you know, it's, it's like that you like hanging out with. I mean, it's, so invaluable to have so yeah important. and it feels so lucky to have that to have that community absolutely absolutely i i don't really have that much in saudi right now because of how much we're traveling back and forth but i am like you know once we're grounded once we're settled somewhere i just see the value of it so much since i have like i haven't had it that i'm like this is the priority like before anything else i need to make some friends yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah come on come on back to virginia i, I guess know, you were never in virginia or in dc yeah yeah are you close to dc no i'm in virginia yeah it's part of virginia like okay south okay yeah gotcha. all right so let's shift gears and we'll let's move to the year ahead 2024 let's what do does it. that year ahead for you look like What's going to happen in an ideal case? Okay. All right. So there's some just regular things of life, I guess, that I, um, this is my last year of NP school. So, you know, so long as everything goes well, I'll graduate in May. Um, Also my due date's in May. So also, you know, God willing, everything goes fine. Um, I'll also like, you know, have baby number two in May. from there, it's a little bit up in the air. Uh, if we had like another three hours, I could tell you about like everything that I don't know about what's going to happen in my life. But basically, <laughs> um, yeah, it's this complex sort of thing where we have, we're going to have two kids and, you know, my family support is so important at the same time. Um, like my husband is, 
you know, he works in Saudi Arabia and we like it there in, mm-hmm. in other ways. Right. So we're, we're kind of like, okay, so after I graduate, do we try and move here? Do we stay there? And we kind of just decided that for right now, especially having, you know, a baby that's not, you know, it's by the time I graduate and pass my boards, hopefully, you know, pray for me that I'll pass my board. <laughs> yeah. But like, um, you, it, you know, we're going to have like a three or four month old. And I'm like, do, do I want to be the one that's like working all the time? Or should we stay in Saudi for a little bit longer? My husband can keep working. And of mm. course he would work here too, but the transition is, is harder, right? Like it's, yeah. it, it would take some time and, and to do all that when we have, you know, two young ones, I'm like, maybe it makes more sense for me us to be in Saudi Arabia for a little bit longer. So that's yeah. kind of what we decided on now, which what, it was so stressful for me because I think when you don't commit to something where you're just like, it could go in 10 different directions, yeah. you're left like not knowing how to plan your future. And I yeah. just was paralyzed with this where I was like, I don't even know what to do today because I don't know where we're going to be in a year. And once we kind of committed to that, I was like able to refocus where I think, you know, the struggles with that for me is that they don't really have nurse practitioners. So I'm going to school for this thing Mm. where we're going to be living somewhere where they have some, I think I would need experience. um, And I could maybe like leverage my skills to do something in management or leadership. Um, But at the same time, I kind of was like, you know, I have a lot of interest outside of, you know, working as a nurse um, within like health and wellness and stuff. So I was like, if we stay another year in Saudi Arabia, I could really focus on being with our family, like being with our kids and then also some, some other like little projects. Um, yeah, I was thinking like, do they have, is there a market there for like yoga and meditation? Cause like you could hone yeah. in on that. And then like, if you wanted to come back to the U S just like use that experience to like really create a holistic, you know, approach to your nursing practice. Sure. practice. And I, you know, yoga and meditation is, is what I want for the foundation of my own life. Like I want to have like that, like daily practice that, you know, I've since lost since having nor and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's part of what's in my head where I'm like, maybe this would be, you know, if I graduated, had a newborn and went sh- straight into working, I know once again, my self-care would take a back seat. And in yeah. some, like, in some ways I felt like I kind of mourn the loss of thinking, Oh, I'm going to work as an MP. Cause there's so much motivation that comes from that too. Like I was like, yeah, there's right. so many job opportunities. And then letting that go was a little bit tough, but then, you know, kind of woke up this other side of me that was like, you know, the reality is that Christina, you've been putting off self-care and different things. And, yeah. and maybe this is the year that you can kind of focus on some of that stuff. Um, so yeah, my first and foremost thing would be to focus on my own, like meditation, yoga practice, and then also maybe try and teach some in Saudi. They have, they, they just opened this new yoga studio really close to where I live. That's like the bomb. Like I love it so much. So that's awesome. That's like the one thing that I'm like really excited for. 
I really admire your ability to, I mean, I, and I, maybe you're just like forced into doing this, but like, you know, like with the nurse practitioner school, like, yeah, you see so many opportunities and you like have that maybe stress of being like, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to do this other thing, but like, you know, making that decision to, to do that and like knowing that that's okay you know, like, it's just part of life. It's just the, you know, stage of life that you're going through and like, you know, understanding that and that, like not having that expectation, like not keeping that guilt on your shoulder that like you should be, you know, doing something else. It is, it's really hard because you, my program was four years. Like I, through this program, not only the money of the tuition, but like also the money from flying back and forth all the time to sustain me going to school and like, you know, our relationship, our family and everything. So it is, it, there's part of me that's like, you know, what did I even do? What am I doing right now? Right? Like, but the other side of me, that's like, kind of understands maybe deeper sides of myself. That's like, actually, this is exactly what you need, Christina, because I like do not in any way, like, even if I never work as a nurse practitioner, I think that this education was so worth it. It built like built my confidence and my motivation in a lot of different ways. Um, it's kind of hard to explain, but little things like I just feel so much more confident in my knowledge, my ability to talk about health. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I've talked about with you, like my, my real passion, I think that it's easy to get distracted when so I'm holding my chapstick. Um, <laughs> it's easy to get distracted actually. Like when you're in this situation and you kind of have the next thing lined up and that's what yeah. I was kind of attached to where I was like, should I be doing a residency after this for a Mm -hmm. year? And then I can get a job and then I can do this. And, you know, it's all lined up and it kind of forced me to think outside of the box on like, what can I do with this education? And it Mm -hmm. actually in ways is more in tune with like who I am. Right. Like I'm wanting to connect like my knowledge of health and somehow yoga, meditation. And so I'm like brainstorming ways that I can do that, that I know I would never be able to do if I never went to school to be a nurse practitioner. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think we just get stuck on this like short term goal setting, you know, it's like, you still, you have the degree, you've done all of this stuff, even if you go off and do something else for a year in order to bring that experience in, you're cultivating your, your practice and honing it for the long term. you know, like you're, if you're thinking about the long game, like you're so right, you're doing everything right. That's in line with who you are and who you're trying to be, who you're trying to, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. So, you know, you're on the right track for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How is your year looking this upcoming year? What are you thinking? I, this year ahead looks hopeful. I think that it is going to be focused more on like, you know, focusing inward, realigning priorities. Like I said before, you know, I want to add things to the calendar that fill my cup and that, you know, I want to, you know, put things instead of just sporadically on there, I'm going to plan, you know, 
something for Father's Day or like plan something for my birthday and just like be intentional about the time I spend with my family and friends and, you know, cultivating those, those relationships. And I think from a work standpoint, um, in the process of trying to be a clean three. So I'm like working on those things. I'm like, you know, climbing that ladder. I'm being a part of some different projects and committees. I'm the chair of this, this one committee at work called the wisdom and well-being um, committee, which kind of like bleeds into what I like doing already. Right. It's like, you know, it's this program that, um, trains nurses and coworkers to identify stress on a, um, on a continuum. Um, so you're kind of able to identify coworkers who are like really going through stressors that aren't able to like bounce back from those things like they normally do because we all work in, you know, like such stressful, high stress environments in the ICU. Um, so, so being able to identify those people before it becomes a crisis, before it becomes like, you know, a, like clinical depression or burnout or, you know, mental illness. Um, and then kind of, you know, being an ear, being support for those people, and then trying to give them access to the resources that we have at our hospital. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's a great in this like program is just something that we had started. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to be chair of a committee, this seems like pretty in my wheelhouse. Yes. So, <laughs> like, absolutely. you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to like focus on that and kind of bring some, you know, mental health and well being that I want to do in my like outside life and to like bring it into to work. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing actually that I started back in August, I started doing five minute meditations before our shift starts I love that. at 1853. Yeah. Cause I work nights. Oh my gosh. So I started and you know, I got a couple, like a couple, um, uh, people that like come and do it with me, but most oh. of the time it's just like myself. That's <laughs> awesome though. We, I love this. It's just a great way to like, you know, reset before the shift and like, mm-hmm. you know, have a change in mindset and, you know, just like change your mood, change your tone. And, um, this is yeah. like something I, I definitely am interested in and something that we should just brainstorm further someday about because I feel like um, I love reading like self-help books and, you know, hearing motivational things. And I often feel like they're not geared towards nurses where it's like, you know, I read like the 5am club and they're like, yeah, you wake up at 5am and you should do all this before whatever. And I'm just like, but what if you work night shift? Right. Like they're, Like, how do you implement certain strategies when you live a life that is not the like nine to five, right? Yeah. So um, I've often thought about that, like trying to help nurses. And then also now being a mom, I'm like, you know, so much of this has fallen off in my own life since being a mom, because I can't find time for things. And so how do you implement some of these like, you know, I hate to call it self-help, but like self-help strategies where it's just like, how do you better your life tools? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, in these sort of, um, non-traditional, um, situations. Yeah. How do you apply it? I love that you're doing that. Like, uh, like 
at work. Well, I got the, um, I got the idea from somebody that we had on the podcast, Stephanie Hutchins. She was a, she's a, um, life coach and I met her at NurseCon at C and she was speaking about, she's got a couple books on, um, post-traumatic, uh, growth and what that looks like and, and kind of clawing your way out of like a dark space. Um, and, and from her own experience, she's gone through a lot of trauma in her life and processed it and, you know, is living like such an amazing thriving life now. And so she like talks about some of the strategies that she used. Um, and so like we did two episodes, we did a part one and part two this year about some of those strategies and then we applied them to nurses. So it was like a, yeah, it was a great little two part series. You should check it out. She's amazing. I definitely will. Yeah. That really we had cool. a lot of great episodes this year. You know, I've like been very proud of what we've been able to accomplish this year. Like I think some of the some of the, you know, most powerful conversations from the podcast have happened this year. Like it's just been really nice to like get a front row seat to some like real progressive change that is happening in the profession and like yeah. people come and want to share that with us on our platform. And like, you know, that's so humbling. And for me, like we had, I talked to the director of St. Jude, um, Morgan Melanson. She was, um, she talked about her nurse residency program, um, that they like completely revamped, um, and all of their new grads, um, over like the last two years, nobody has left, nobody has changed jobs, Um, because like when you get hired to St. Jude, you get hired into the program, not to like a specific unit and they rotate like docs to like every different hospital in the unit, um, in the every different unit in the hospital to figure out what they like. And then there's like a matching process and like, they've like retained all their nurses. I'm like, what a amazing, like so progressive and like like unconventional, that is you know, really awesome. You like you guys prefer like have this platform for nurses to share stuff like that because I really do think it's hard to get that information across, right? Of course, like people are staying up to date with research and and different things, but you know, yeah, how like something so effective like that people need yeah. to hear about, and people you know in other like organizations probably would be happy to try and make some, some changes that would be helpful. So, yeah. yeah. Another great one from this year is a, is a, um, Mary Hanks. She was the department head for a nursing school in West Alabama, I want to say. And she also like had these insane progressive strategies, um, to, well, like her and her associates, um, revamped their nursing program and, um, was able to like increase their NCLEX force from like 70% to a hundred percent. Like everybody passed because she like took a look at what her students needed and they like changed what they were teaching from like, what's nice to know versus what you need to know. She, they took away textbooks. They took away like all the textbooks and this like and I'm just like, she's out there making real change. Yeah. Like she's, yeah. she's just like, it, it's, it, it was just like incredible to me. Like, I you know, that. and yeah. I still bring together that this community of people. 
I, um, so I've heard like in nurse practitioner school before, like patients have said to me, like, you know, why didn't you just go to med school or something? And I, even as nurses, I feel like we get that sometimes. Like, oh, like, why didn't you like become a doctor or something? And it's like, well, like I decided to like continue my education and like, you know, I want to be a leader in the largest group of healthcare workers, right? Like, like that is so cool, right? Yeah. I, I feel like people forget just how impactful nurses are right and the position that we're in and so like having this platform of this podcast and being able to share that information that leaders within nursing are doing and having good outcomes really affects so much in healthcare because nurses impact so much yeah I mean there's so many different you know, conversations that we can have about how we can improve the profession. Like, I mean, obviously there's so much wrong, you know, there's so much like area for improvement here. Right. And there's like, but sharing ideas, I mean, that's how we're gonna, that's how we're going to make change and like, Absolutely. you know, bringing, bringing ideas to your, to your hospital and your administration. And so it's been really wonderful to be a part of that. I love that. I love that. Well, we're at an hour and I think we could totally talk for another hour. Especially with this in front of me, I feel like there's so much. This is like yes, three hour conversation really, in itself. There really is. So you know, I yeah, I can't wait to find out like the twenty twenty four version of that. I'm gonna as soon as it comes out. It I hasn't come out yet. Redo it. I think so, once it comes out. It's called the year compass. So if you are looking to de- revamp like. your, yes, if you're on YouTube, we're holding <laughs> it up. Yeah. If you're, if you're looking for something a little more sustainable than New Year's resolution, I highly recommend it. So it's a nice, it's a nice activity for the end of the year and motivating for the beginning of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Christina, it was so nice to see you. This was so fun. Was yeah. really fun. I was kind of nervous coming on. I, I don't know why, because you know we're buds. So I was yeah. like, I like, but I still somehow was nervous because yeah, you know anything new is kind of nerve wracking. Yeah, so. absolutely. For like yeah. the first, I don't know, for forever, I used to like get so anxious before before episodes, and yeah, it's totally normal. But I'm so happy that you came on. This was Me awesome. Too. This was really well, nice to chat. I hope you have a great year. And obviously, we'll keep in touch. Absolutely. You too. All right. I'll see you later. That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in to Nursing Uncharted. To learn more about today's episode, make sure to explore the show notes at AmericanMobile.com slash Nursing Uncharted. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a guest. If you're a nurse interested in traveling, visit AmericanMobile.com to explore the largest database of travel nursing jobs in the industry and the amazing benefits that American Mobile has to offer. Also, a special thanks to producer Jonathan Carey, assistant producers Katie Schrauben and Sam McKay, and Aiden Dykes for the music and editing. Until next time, take care of yourself.